You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. While we're in this attitude of worship, really quickly, I want to just take a moment. I want to pray for the nation of Israel. Man, there's a lot going on, and um, I'm sure you've seen the news, but I want to take a moment. I'm going to pray some specific things, and I want to say some specific things. And uh, just to make it abundantly clear on, on where we stand and where we should stand as a church when it comes to the nation of Israel. But Israel is under attack by terrorists who wish to take them from their ancestral and biblical homeland. Israel has the absolute right to defend its borders and its citizens by eliminating the terrorists who come against them. And we at Abide Church, I'll make it abundantly clear, we unapologetically stand with Israel. Unapologetically. The news and the modern news in our culture would try to convince you that Israel is the aggressor. But let me make it very clear. If Hamas were to lay down their weapons, Israel would have peace. But if Israel were to lay down her weapons, she would be eliminated. Here's why. You cannot negotiate with satanic ideologies. You can't negotiate with satanic ideologies. It's a spiritual war as well as a physical war. In Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and in Genesis 17, God makes and he reiterates a promise to Abraham about the land he is giving him and his descendants after him. And the nation of Israel belongs to Israel because when God makes a promise, he intends on keeping it. When God said, this is your land, he intends on keeping that promise. Interesting to think about why is this tiny sliver of a nation such a threat to the world around it? Because their land is so great and so valuable, their reeses are so abundant? No, it's because Israel serves as a reminder that a covenant-keeping God has preserved his people and every lesser God is living on borrowed time and on borrowed land. We believe, and this would be our prayer today, that God will use what the enemy has intended for harm and he will use it for good, for a great harvest of souls in that part of the world. So let's take a moment, I'm gonna lead us in, in prayer. And if you would, just there at your seat, just bow your heads and close your eyes in agreement as we pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for peace in Israel, peace in Jerusalem, as Scripture commands us to pray. And Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you, the Prince of Peace, would reign in that region. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would give strategy to the military leaders there. Give them strategy on how to respond, how to get ahead, how to be strategic, Lord, in every attack and every response, how to bring justice. Lord, I pray that you would give comfort to those who have lost loved ones or who have loved ones that have been taken captive. I pray for those that are taken captive, that you would give them peace today, hope today protection today, God. 
Would you surround them? Your word says that you're a strong tower, that the righteous run to you and they are safe. Lord, I just pray for a supernatural intervention there. I pray, Lord, that you would turn the rockets of the enemy back on themselves. I pray that there is an unexplainable hedge of protection around your people, Lord. I pray that you would set up angelic protection around your people, around that nation, Lord, that there is a spiritual hedge of protection, barrier that is in place. And I pray that supernaturally you would preserve, that you would protect, that you would, you would lead your people. And in doing so, you would reveal your true self to the nation of Israel. And Lord, that would be our prayer that in through, through all of this, that they would see you for who you truly are. The true Messiah, the true King. And Lord, we love you and we lift them up today. And I pray for your intervention, for your grace during this time, for your peace and for your wisdom. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for our nation as well. As there is so much unrest and, and turmoil and tension, Lord, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us wisdom to see what is going on? I thank you that as believers, Lord, you've given us the spiritual gift of discernment that we can see what's going on in the spiritual realm. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us show others what's really going on here and why this is such a big deal. But Lord, I thank you that when we pray in agreement with your word, as your word says in Psalm 122, pray for peace in Jerusalem, that their city may prosper. As we pray in agreement with your word, you show us that you hear our prayers and that you respond and that your will is done. And that's our prayer today, God. Let your will be done in Israel as it is in heaven. And we thank you for it. We thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for sending your armies of angels to go to work. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for worshiping. You can go ahead and take a seat. You know, we got it pretty good in America right now, at least, <laughs> in the sense of we can gather and you see some of these videos and things that are going on overseas and it's just, it's tough to even imagine what some of these people are going through. And when you're so far removed, some of the, the most important and the first thing that we can do is pray because God, God can do more with our prayers than we can from these thousands and thousands of miles away right now. We can pray. And uh, I'll tell you something, in the near future, we can vote as well. Amen? Hey, today I'm going to talk about how do we have covenant victory in our lives? How do we have covenant victory in our lives? I had a, uh, I had a great plan where I was going to do a, a brand new teaching series, actually starting last week. Then I was going to start it this week. And uh, every time I start to work on that teaching series, the, the Holy, Holy Spirit just says, not yet. And so uh, what we say around here at Abide Church is that our plan uh, is always plan B and God's plan is always plan A. And so we make plans and preparations, but anytime that God says not yet or, uh, you know, steer away from that, 
that's what we do. And so today, uh, I felt like God put this on my heart for today, and uh, believe it's going to speak to you. We're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. And so, if you have your Bible, go to First Samuel uh, chapter seventeen. We're going to be there all day long. And so, we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. We have to remember that everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing into the New Testament of Jesus. And so, one of the things I like to say is this: as we look at these stories, look for the principles of God's character. Right? So many times we read the story of David and Goliath, and we like to think that we're David. Right? We just automatically assume we're the hero in the story. Right? But I think oftentimes when we read it, if we will ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show us who am I in this story? Who, who do I relate to? Uh, but, but even more importantly, where's Jesus in this? And where, what is the principle of God's character? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same God that worked on David's behalf in this story is the same God that is alive and active, and he operates under the same principles. He hasn't changed his principles because uh, of time. It, we're in a new covenant in a New Testament, absolutely, but he has not changed his principles. And so what I want us to look at is, this is the, the, the classic illustration of the ongoing going struggle between Satan, between mankind, and God. And every element of this conflict is still at work in our personal lives today. You better believe it. If you've lived for any amount of time, you've understood what conflict is. And uh, one of the critical lessons in this story is how do we obtain victory during life's critical battles? Whenever I'm going through it, whenever life is, if we're being transparent, life feels like hell, how do we find hope for tomorrow, and how do we find victory? And so here's what we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to dive into this, and I'm going to show you and, and just encourage you with this. If you're facing intimidating circumstances right now, if you are battling doubts, maybe you're struggling with fears, I'm going to show you, and, and I just want to encourage you that this message is for you. If you're facing something today, you walked in here and it's like, man, I don't know what to do. This message is for you, and I believe that maybe if it's just for one person, that's, that's more than enough reason to preach this message. But if you're not going through a battle, my prayer is that you would take good notes today and that you would log this away because eventually, uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? So eventually something's going to happen where you're going to need this message. Here's the first thing we're going to look at. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Satan brings conflict. Satan brings conflict. So I have three kind of C's that we're going to look at today. Satan brings conflict. If you want to see conflict introduced in the Bible, it's always through Satan. Even though the devil, even though Satan isn't mentioned in the story of David and Goliath, his fingerprints are all over it. And his presence and who he's using, it is all over. It's present in Israel's enemy is where it's present. Israel and the Philistines are at war, and Goliath comes out, and he begins to taunt the enemy. Most of us know this story, so there's really no spoiler alerts at what happens at the very end. But I'm not going to read the entire story because uh, we, we could, uh, and maybe this will turn into a series on David. I don't know. We could spend a whole series just talking about this story. But we're going to skip down 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start in verse 8 uh, for time just so I can show you this first point here. 1 Samuel 17, verse 8, it says this. This, Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and you line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. That's where he really stepped over the line right here. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
They were dismayed and terrified. This wasn't a one-time deal. Let's skip down to verse 16. Verse 16 says, For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening. Remember that. And he took his stand. Every morning and every evening he took his stand. Let's pull back the curtain spiritually and look at what's happening because this is exactly what happens in our lives today. So you can put up this graph right here. Go ahead and put it up, Eddie. What happens is Satan, what is he doing? He's using Goliath. Goliath is bringing fearful opposition, fear-filled opposition. What is that? That's not something that's just imaginary. That's, that's in the flesh, in the natural. That's something that we can see. Goliath is there with his sword, with his gear, with his armor bearer. He's ready to do some work, and behind him is an entire army. That's fearful opposition. In your life, it's probably not going to be some giant with a sword, right? But there's going to be something that brings in the natural, a sickness, a, 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 a financial issue, a marital issue, something that's going to show up that puts this pressure on you of like, this is super intimidating. After that, what is the devil? His ultimate goal is mental and emotional, and you could even say spiritual paralysis. If I can get you afraid enough, you will sit down, hide in your tent, and just listen to anything I have to say. What's he doing? Immobilize. You're afraid. It's so much and it's so big that eventually you're just going to sit down and just take it. So here's what's interesting. In the midst of the real attack, the enemy reveals his true nature. And this is always what he does. See, we give the devil too much credit sometimes, but he always reveals his true nature. And I'll explain it this way. Whenever I I played football in high school and um, we were a pretty good team, And many times when we would face a team, whichever team was the loudest pregame was the worst in the game. Whichever team was the one that showed up making all the, all the noise, you know, barking like dogs, crawling on all fours, like doing all this weird, crazy stuff. Most of the time that team, whenever we got on the field and the game started, we kicked their butts every time. But it was the teams that showed up and we're not all hyped and talking, those were the ones you had to be careful for. Because they had the confidence that we're going to show up and we're going to take care of business and we're going to get out of here. But the ones that made the most noise often could never back it up. And that's why they made the most noise. See, scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour a roaring lion, roaring just like he was doing through Goliath. What was Goliath doing? You can imagine Goliath's voice, this giant man, a giant set of lungs. He was making a lot of noise. He was calling out. He wasn't standing in their camp. He was standing from a far ways off, calling out, making a lot of noise. And the intimidation factor of that put the pressure on them, which led to paralysis. We're not, we don't even know what to do. But I think one of the other key word is this, whom he may devour. Did you ever have a teacher that wouldn't let you go to the restroom in class if you asked wrong, right? Can I use the bathroom? No. <laughs> may I use the restroom? Yes, you may. What is that? It's permission. Oftentimes we think the devil walks around like a roaring lion just doing whatever he wants to do. But what's he doing? He's looking for permission. May I talk to you? May I attack your family. May I bring this into your life? What's he asking for permission to mostly? Most of the time it begins with, who's going to listen? 
Will you listen to me? Will you listen to what I have to say? Satan had no problem running his mouth through Goliath because he knew that there was no faith-filled man in the ranks of Israel. No one to stand up, not even King Saul. Saul, the reason why, Saul had allowed sin into his life and he lost his confidence in God and Satan knew it. So for 40 days, what do we see? 40 days, it's significant because 40 in the Bible is always linked to testing and proving. And so for 40 days, Saul had a chance as the king and the protector of Israel to respond correctly and he did not. 40 days into the testing period, who shows up? David, the shepherd boy. He shows up. And what's fascinating is that Satan didn't have the power to overrun and destroy the children of Israel. If he did, he would have done it. Why is he sending Goliath out here to make all this noise? Satan knew if we go head on, I can't win this fight with this, with this army that I have. More importantly, I can't win this fight if a faith-filled, covenant-believing person responds and gives me opposition. But then David showed up. David showed up. So you see, I want you to see this. When the enemy causes trouble, what happens is he runs his mouth the most because he knows you as a believer are in covenant with God. And if we believe this, and if we respond, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but if we respond how David did with the principles of David, that he doesn't stand a chance against us. And I'm gonna show you that in just a second. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me say this. If you're battling fear, it's a sure sign that you still have the power to overcome. That sounds weird, but let me say this. If you're still, if you're battling fear, if you're in the battle right now, you're struggling something, it's, it's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I'm in that state of mental, spiritual, uh, physical paralysis. It feels like it's a sure sign that you still have the power to overcome. It means that he hasn't won yet. If you're battling fear, you'll still, you're still in the fight. That's what I'm saying. There's still hope for tomorrow. Satan always comes with conflict, but it's the responsibility of human beings to combat Satan. And that's point number two. Mankind engages in combat. Satan brings conflict. He's always going to show up running his mouth. He's always going to show up doing something in your life. But we have a choice. We have a choice in how we respond. I got my start in kids ministry. And one of the things we would do, this classic illustration that we took from from our pastor, but uh, we would do this illustration where we would be out teaching the kids. And we talked about how uh, the devil wants to send a delivery to your doorstep. And so we had this fake door out there. And what would happen is we would have this doorbell sign or, or a ring go off. And I would say, oh, somebody's at the door. And we'd go and open this fake door. And behind it, we'd have somebody with some really nasty, like, work gloves, real dirty sleeves. And you wouldn't ever see their face, but you would see these really gross gloves. And just kind of, it just made you feel creepy the way these gloves were. And they would hand, they would say, special delivery, like real creepy voice. Sorry, that wasn't a very creepy voice. But special delivery. And they would, they would hand, you would just see their hands come out from around this door. And on this box, they would have this box they were trying to deliver to our doorstep. It would be all had this Sharpie kind of tore up. And on the front of it, it just said fear, fear. And this is what we would say. He said, the devil wants to show up on a regular basis and he's trying to deliver things to your life. But you have a choice just like you do right now when you go home. Someone can try to deliver something to your house, but that's your house. You have a choice whether to bring that into my house and open it up or to kick him off of my doorstep and close the door in his face. And too many times people think, well, I got a delivery. Whatever thing shows up in my life, I just have to sit down and receive and bring it into my home and let my kids experience it. No, 
we taught our kids, no, you can shut the door in the devil's face by speaking his word, by combating the devil and saying something in faith, acting in faith, backing your faith with action. And so when fear and conflict and opposition comes, many times people ask, well, why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God just show up and help me out and do something? And I would say this, that's often the wrong question. Because the first question I should ask is, what am I doing? I should ask, what's God going to do but according to his word, but what am I doing? Because scripture tells us in the New Testament, number one, that we need to put on the armor of God. Who? You and me. We put on the armor of God. That must mean that we are going to go to battle at some point, right? That doesn't mean I can put it on just so I can look cool in the spiritual realm. No, I, that means I'm going to have to fight personally. Put on the armor of God. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Who? You and me. I, got a, I have a job to do. I have something that I've got to do. In James 4, 7, it says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. So here's what happened. The men of Israel were weakened because they had sat there and they'd done nothing while listening to the threats of Goliath on 80 different occasions. 40 days, two times a day, 80 different occasions. They, were, they listened to him. And in doing so, they were weakened and depleted. Can I tell you something? What was Goliath saying 80 different times? Did he have a new jab, a new insult every time? No. Goliath, I guarantee you, said basically the same thing every day. Here's why I would say that. Because the devil does that with you and me. He finds the one thing that he can say to you that will put you on your butt and hiding in your tent. Why would he say something else if you're already in hiding? So for you, it may be that you're not good enough. For you, it may be that you'll never get through this season. For you, it may be that you're not gonna have hope for tomorrow. For you, it may be, man, I just, no one even wants me around. Why am I even living this life? He's gonna find the thing for you that will make you cower and hide. And that's what Goliath did with the, with the children of Israel. He continued to come out saying the same thing over and over. And it's interesting, morning and night, why? The devil wants to be the first voice that you listen to every morning and he will be the last voice that you listen to at night. Why? He wants to consume your thought life. As soon as you get up, I'm not good enough. Another struggle today, another battle today. He wants to start talking. He wants to be the last thing that you hear before you go to bed so that your dreams are filled with whatever he's putting on you and the weight that he's putting on you but you've got a choice to make just like that illustration with the kids ministry. Will you receive this, this delivery, this special delivery that's just for you? No, no, I won't. And this is what we see in the life of David. This is what we see in the life of David. David, he shows up and he wasn't afraid because the very first time he heard the threat, he responded in faith. So he heard it and he responded rather than hearing it, going to his tent, thinking about it, coming out, hearing again, going to his tent, thinking about it and sleeping, coming back. No, he heard it once and he said, this ain't right. Some, some boy better do something about this guy. And if nobody's going to, I will. And so David shows up and he responds in faith to overcome the battles of life and defeat fear. You cannot continually listen to all the threats and the negativity the enemy throws your way and do nothing. You can hear it. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean that you're getting your tail whipped. When you have a thought, it means it's time to respond. What am I going to do with this? Am I going to dwell on it or am I going to take every thought captive, which in the original language, a more accurate translation is to take captive with the spear to the back. That's what that verse means. Take every thought captive aggressively to the obedience of Christ. 
David shows up. Let's continue. First Samuel 17. Let's get down to verse 40 now. It says, then he, he being David, took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. This wasn't David's first rodeo. He had killed a bear. He had killed a lion, at least one of each, maybe multiple at this point. And it's interesting that whenever he had practiced so many times before on a bear or a lion or something else that would come, it's interesting when it references, in fact, let me, let me just read it. I don't have this in your notes, but I'm going to read it here. 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. It says, but David said to Saul, he said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came to take the lamb out of the flock, I went after it. I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And look at this. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and kill it. Interesting. He struck it. Then it rose up and he had to kill it. So why did, Goli- why did David strike Goliath with a rock, immediately go cut off his head? Because that big old boy is about to get up pretty soon. Sooner or later, if the bear got up, this big old boy is going to get up too. If the lion got up and I had to strike him down again by his beard, Goliath's going to get up as well. So what does he do? He strikes him down. Sorry, spoiler alert. I'm getting ahead of it. But he strikes him down. And what happens? He goes and he cuts off his head with, with Goliath's sword. David, though, what I want you to see is he was prepared ahead of time. In Judges 20, verse 16, it says this, among all these soldiers, there were 700 select troops who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Now, we're not specifically necessarily talking about David here, but I believe David was experienced enough, obviously he had the confidence to back it up. He was experienced enough that if he had to split a hair with a stone, he could. But not just from anywhere. What did he do with Goliath? He approached Goliath. He didn't wait for Goliath to come close. He said, I'm going to take the fight. I'm going to take the fight to him. Now, he could do that, and this is a totally different uh, side trail here, but I'll say this. He could do that because Goliath and the Philistines were already trespassing. They were in Judah, meaning he was still fighting on holy ground. Don't fight the devil on his terms. Fight him on your terms, and that's in your home. If he brings some garbage into your home, that's holy ground because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. That's the temple. You can fight him there, and you can have confidence to fight him there. Wartime is not the time for practice. It's the time to fight. David was prepared. So here's what happens. When Goliath was there, David ran to him. He ran to him. Old school hunters, you know, modern day hunting is pretty easy. You know, we have crossbows and we, even on our bow and arrows, we have sights that we can use from different yardage and all this. Old school hunting though, you had to hunt what was called instinctively. Meaning you had to go out there and you had to know from this yardage, I have to raise my bow this amount to hit my target every single time instinctively, but it took practice. And this is what David did. David was shooting and firing and slinging this thing instinctively. That's why David ran to a particular spot. He knew the range because he knew he had shot there for many times. So here's what David has. David has instinctive action. And that's what I want you to see. Instinctive action. Trials, fears, attacks, they never make us rise to the occasion. Well, if I'm facing a, a, a health issue, I'm just going to, you know, I'll have a lot of faith then to battle it. You will only ever fall to your level of preparation. What do you have in here? What do you have stored away in here biblically to fall back to? Only that's the place that you're going to fall. So the question today is a good reflection question is what is my instinctive action when the devil attacks? What's my instinctive action? 
Am I prepared for a major attack if it shows up in my life? Or am I hoping that if a major attack shows up, I can just try to gain a lot of faith and practice a whole lot on my praying and speaking and believing and surrounding myself with friends and hope to survive it? Am I ready ahead of time? Last thing is this. When I respond with instinctive action and words of faith, point number three, God honors covenant. God honors covenant. But it takes someone who's got the faith to say, I'm in covenant with the living God. You are not. And so I'm gonna go to war. I'm gonna take the fight to you. David's natural response by itself was still not enough to defeat Goliath. It was still not enough. So he invokes the supernatural power of God by bringing covenant into play. Let's look at it. First Samuel 17, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you. Remember that. The Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down. The Lord will and I will, and I will cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. See, first he starts just, he's, David's talking confident to, to Goliath. I'm gonna cut your head off, right? And you know, when you get some adrenaline going, sometimes it's tough to stop, right? <laughs> this is David. He's human. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill Goliath. You know what? I'm gonna take all y'all on, right? He just keeps going. Let's continue in verse uh, 47. All those gathered here will know that is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. So here's what I want you to see as I close. He continually says, says, says the Lord will and I will. The Lord will deliver you and I will strike you down. Here's what he's saying. And this is what we have, this is a principle that we can take from it today. I'm fighting, but the Lord's working. I'm fighting in the natural. I'm speaking by faith. I'm doing my part, but God's working. I'm fighting, God's working. Too many times we sit on the sideline, we say, what's God doing? Why isn't God working? But God's looking for a partner. He's looking for partnership. He wants to walk with you. Where people say, where's God in all this? Why isn't God showing up? He's at work in your confidence and your action and in your faith. And if we don't respond, we're gonna miss it. Here's why I say that the same God who was on the same battlefield when Saul was there in fear, he was the same one that was there when David showed up in faith. Where did the victory come from? Faith, responding in faith. David's instinctive action followed by words of faith led to God's power being released. So here's how it started. Let's go back to that first graph. Satan uses Goliath to bring fearful opposition. This is a true threat, right? Now I'm in a state of paralysis. I don't even know what to do, okay? But this is how God flips the script. Put up the next one. David has instinctive action as a man of faith. I'm gonna respond and do something followed with my words of faith. I'm gonna back it by reminding myself that I'm in covenant and respond in faith with my words and my actions so that God's power can be released. You see, so many times we, we, we try to skip from us to God's power, but there's some steps in between, right? If you have a health issue and the doctor has been telling you, hey, you need to cut this out of your life. You need to clean up your diet, whatever it might be, but you're still battling a health issue. The question is, are you drinking some clear stuff called water, right? It's tough to uh, 
pray for healing if I'm not doing my part? How do I get to God's power being released? It's through instinctive action, words of faith, seeing God's power being released. And eventually we already know David wins. Satan's challenge, challenge is the first thing that happens in every battle, but God's power is the last thing to manifest when faith-filled response is there. Satan shows up, he may be first, but it don't matter. God shows up and he, he lands in the final blow. And that it's way better for us. God's not gonna show up first and leave you by yourself for Satan to finish you off. When we respond in faith. So you will face problems that are bigger and stronger than you, but how you respond is crucial. Here's my last verse, Deuteronomy 20 verses one. It says, when you go to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, what's that? It's a threat bigger than you. Do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Stop here. We read the Old Testament and we think, well, I wasn't brought out of Egypt. What is Egypt? Egypt is a symbol of slavery in your old life. Scripture in the New Testament says you were slave to sins. Yeah, you may not have came out of Egypt, but you came from an old sinful lifestyle. This is the principle that I'm talking about. You can't just read this and say, well, that was just then. What's the principle behind it? The Lord who freed you from your sins and freed you from death, he is with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priests shall come forward and address the army. Who are the priests? Us. First Peter says, you are a royal priesthood. Who are the priests? That's foreshadowing, that's us. Who are you talking to? What army do you have? You may have a spouse, you may have a family, you may have little ones at home. Guess what? It's your job now, especially husbands. It's your job as the priest of the home to put some faith in your army, <laughs> your people, the people around you. What shall you say? Say in verse three, hear Israel. Today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you victory. What's he saying? He's reminding us once again, you go to battle, but the Lord will fight with you. Doesn't mean, hey, you're gonna go to battle, but you stand over here and do nothing. No, you're gonna go to battle, but the Lord will fight with you. Satan's attacks, his conflicts, let me tell you something. I hope this changes your perspective. Satan's attacks are just the beginning of the victory cycle. Because he's gonna attack, and when we combat him with instinctive action and faith, guess what? God's power is released. So every time, let's flip the script. Every time the enemy shows up with another thing in my life that's going wrong, with another sickness, with another financial issue, whatever it might be, what if we responded and said, we got another victory coming our way? What if our instinctive action was to praise God and say, Lord, I don't know how, but you turn all things to work for our benefit. And God, if this situation isn't good yet, I know that you're not done yet. Lord, I stand on your word and your promises that are yes and amen. And I believe that above what I see here. What if our reaction was to respond in faith with instinctive action and words of faith? Every great victory starts with an attack from Satan, but it ends with God's mighty hand. And it's always better if the enemy would have never touched Israel. And that would be my prayer for us, is that if we respond according to biblical principles, that every time the devil messes with you, one pastor said it this way, every time the devil messes with me, he runs the risk of making me. Because he's gonna bet 
and hope that I don't run to this thing for my solution. When the devil shows up on my doorstep, he's hoping I hide in my tent and I sit down and I listen to him for 80 different times. But what if I respond this way? He runs the risk of making me, what? Making me more bold, giving me more faith, giving me more confidence. And through trials, guess what? My faith is tested my faith is built because life ain't easy and battles come. And it may feel like there's been times in your life where you got your butt kicked and you still don't have every answer why. Can I tell you something? Me too. I've prayed and I've seen, I've prayed for people and I've seen them pass away. I know, I know that there's times I've seen family members that if anyone deserved to have a long life, it was them and they they didn't make it. And I know, but my faith is not in my circumstances. My faith is in God's word and the principles of his word and the truth of his word. And so I don't have every answer for every situation, but I'll tell you this, the devil better know that when tomorrow's battle comes, I'm gonna start here first. This is my instinctive action. And I'm gonna take the fight to him on holy ground. And if he wants a fight, he knows where to find me. When we face trials, the devil will bring conflict. Mankind must engage in faith-filled combat and God will honor covenant and give us covenant victory. I'm gonna tell you something. There may be some of you in here today and you'd say, Pastor Dan, that sounds great, but maybe you're not walking with Jesus. Maybe today you came in and you don't have covenant with God. Like you're not walking with him. You Maybe you were at one time, but you're not anymore. And I'm gonna tell you something. If you need God to move in your life, it starts with getting to covenant with him. If you want covenant victory, if you want access to these things, it starts with saying, Jesus, you are Lord. I submit to your Lordship. And in doing so, we get into a covenant relationship and then God can begin to partner with us through this life and help us when we need it. But there's a lot of people who want the benefits of covenant, but they're not in covenant. And so today my prayer is this, in just a second, I'm gonna pray. And today, if you need to get into covenant with Jesus, you need to make your life right with Jesus, today is your day. Scripture says today's the day of salvation. I'm not gonna ask you to fill out a connect card or raise your hand when no one's looking. When we dismiss, I'm gonna ask you to come forward and talk with my prayer team. I'm gonna ask you to be bold about it. Bold faith sparks change in our lives, not passive faith. How did David defeat Goliath? Bold faith. He went to him. And if you need change in your life, salvation in your life, I'm gonna ask you to come to the front to get prayer in just a second. The second thing is this, every action of faith is followed by more acts of faith. David struck down Goliath, but he didn't stop there. He went and cut his head off. There may be some of you in here, and I mentioned this earlier, maybe you're in here today and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I'm saved, I'm walking with God, but I haven't been water baptized or I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Or maybe you're in a season where it's like, I really need to be serious about my walk with Jesus. Today, you didn't come prepared to get water baptized. We're prepared for you. If you would like to get water baptized in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to come forward as well and talk with one of our team members. They're gonna pray with you and we're gonna walk you through the whole process. We have shorts, shirts, towels, hair dryers. We got it all, okay? And I would say this, even if we didn't have it all, I would pray that you would still be bold enough to get baptized in whatever you're wearing today. We got it pretty good in America, okay? We're not baptizing in a pond somewhere. (laughs) We got a nice clean tank, it's warm. We would love to walk with you during this, in this journey and help you start this journey strong and bold. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the new covenant, the new Testament. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. And I thank you, Lord, that your word has principles in us that we can, for us that we can apply to our lives today. 
And though we may not be David, Lord, I thank you that there are those same principles. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we apply them to our lives. We, we choose to have instinctive action of faith and words of faith so that we can respond to see your power go to work in our lives. And I pray for everyone in here that is facing a battle right, right now, no matter how big, no matter how small, Lord, I pray that through this message, through your word, Lord, and through this story that we looked at today, that they would have faith to take the fight and combat the enemy so that your power can be released, so that you can partner with us to see breakthrough in whatever area of our life that we need. And we thank you for it. And I thank you that this week is the week of good reports in Jesus' name. It's the week of breakthrough, of answered prayer, and of good reports, and of victory, covenant victory in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.